government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God bless America? No, no, no. Not God bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Let's look at the stats. I've got the facts. My money like lizard. My pockets are fat. Homie, I'm epic. Don't be a whap. Dog, it's a yarmulke, homie, no cap. Look at the graphs, look at my charts. You're blowing money on strippers and cars. You go into prison, I'm on television. Dogs, no one knows who you are. Keep hating on me on the internet. My comment section, all woke Karen's. And I make racks off compound interest. Y'all live with your parents. Nikki, take some notes. I just did this for fun. All my people, download this. Let's get a billboard number one. All right, that was the hot fire new track from Ben Shapiro and Tom McDonald. <laughs> did you know about this guy? This Tom <clears throat> oh, oh, Anders! Did I know about Tom McDonald? Are you kidding me? I've had I'm notes on this guy for him. years. <laughs> There's a few of these like uh, MAGA anti woke rapper guys, and uh, he's the best one. He's like um, the you know he's the one that appeared out of the mob and is their champion. Um. He sucks. <clears throat> He's really bad. He here's some fun facts about him. When he films a music video like this, that's like him featuring another person, you'll notice that they're not really in the same room together mm. ever. Because um, as, aside from being like super anti woke and right wing and uh, bars about pronouns and shit, uh, his I think his sister is like really uh immunocompromised so he's like really uh he's he's he's, he actually is very covid conscious and he doesn't want anyone to know about it so he kind of downplays it so he you guys can just whatever don't let me uh in fact if you want to hop on mic for a second tony boswell from minion death cult please feel free to shout out we're talking about tom mcdonald do you have any thoughts on tom mcdonald um, yeah, mad love for Tom McDonald, the absolute go to the grift, fully committed. Um, the compound is incredible. The compound he makes all his music videos on. Oh. His girlfriend lives there. You're just talking about the immunocompromised girlfriend. Um, the the strict rules for access are just insane. Um, and he's got all these people thinking he's some like, you know. It's funny because he doesn't really actually say a lot of stuff besides getting triggered. He yeah. doesn't really... St- do much besides like two genders and get triggered. Yeah. But he got people convinced he's like a gun wielding <laughs> freedom fighting dude. And he's really not. And it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cornrows just make it all better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite fact about Tom McDonald is that he is Canadian. So he has yeah. all these bars about, like american flags like why don't they in that song it's like why don't they put american flags up anymore they only put like black lives matter flags he's from fucking canada (laughs) crazy so the anyway anyway, that was tony everyone we're at an airbnb in joshua tree thank you i don't know (laughs) round of applause i keep forgetting i'm not on a live show all right so what do you think (laughs) anders what is that so that compound reference by got compound interest that's a reference to the recording studio then that that's kind of a clever rhyme in that case makes me doubt Shapiro actually wrote it but, oh i this seems like ai wrote it i it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> i think both of them would fully embrace that part of the artistic process right uh, how, i don't know man how far back does tom mcdonald go as far as I'm, as in terms of being maga because i'm looking some a friend told me today about his song if i was black uh and the first line is if i was black probably wouldn't fuck with anyone who's white because that slavery shit would honestly be always be on my mind and then at the end he's still uh saying if i was i was black i would die in these streets i'd say fuck the police so did he have a change of heart or was that i think tony nailed it that he's the king of the grift okay he so that like he's just printing money you know (laughs) he probably does he's right actually doesn't care about any of this i know people say that about like people like him a lot and right-wing pundits and stuff like that but him i get the feeling it might actually be true Hmm. because it's a it's a perfect like 
mar- niche market because no one right wing can rap. Right. And I'm not saying he's good, but I would argue that what sucks about him the most is just what he's saying. <laughs> it's uh, he's not the worst of the right wing rappers, you know. He's g- cursed with a little bit of skill, and that's why this is happening. And like, uh, fucking whatever they did with computers to make Ben Shapiro like, like they effectively created what sounds like an impression of music. So it's one of those things where I think like every once in a while someone's like, hey, wouldn't it be funny to just pretend to be a right wing comedian and talk about cancel culture and make a million dollars? You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you might be kind of doing it. OK. Yeah. I mean, Ben Shapiro um, is I, he's has one skill and that's talking fast. And that sometimes translates to being a rapper. I don't think in this case, uh, but at least like that's a it's a better use of his time he's still saying bad stuff but um it, it's funny he went after wap and then Nicki minaj at the end does i think he might think wap was Nicki minaj and not uh cardi b and and meg oh there's no way he knows the difference between any of those fucking people <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> But he said he. It's like I think at, he ends it like well, let's make let's get my people to make this number one, which which I think it's now like number two on the Billboard charts or something like that. So this was just a just watch me type of thing. Like let's let's troll. Let's it's basically like a GameStop con, but for the music charts, I guess. I feel like I've said this time and time again on this show, but let me just reiterate something. I want to make something very clear. Like nobody buys anything on iTunes or like yeah. through the traditional routes anymore. Everyone uses Spotify and shit. So, um, like you see this with comedians all the time. If you go to your local Chuckle Hut and there's some guy you've never heard of and he's a feature, when they intro him, they'll say he has a number one album on iTunes. You know why? Every single one of us that made an album has a number one album on iTunes because nobody fucking buys albums on iTunes, especially comedy albums. So you just get, all you have to do is sell. A few hundred albums, and if you sell them uh, before they're released, this is how you juke the stats with uh, like intellectual property like that. You sell stuff uh, pre-sales, right before they're released, guarantees that the day it comes out, all of that, all those pre-sales get loaded into the first round of sales, so everything has a pop where it sells like you know the first week. Oh my god, you came out, you're number one, and then you fall down, uh, and you can easily like inflate those stats with just like you know bullshit like dark money and like bots and stuff so they astroturf that oliver anthony guy last year by doing that and then he just like went away and he's of no use to those people anymore because he like they interviewed him and he was like i don't like either side which says it's what a lot of those people say but it's of no advantage to people that are like have a right-wing agenda uh in terms of the political party or whatever um and he was a little bit too nuanced about it but um it's fake, you know? Yeah, they did it. Th- they literally, they're like number two. Ben Shapiro and fucking Tom McDonald. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> it's not because it's like popular. It's because this is an archaic metric that used to mean something that it no longer means. You know, it doesn't yeah, mean that yeah. like in the high schools, they're banging this track or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, they would get bodied on SoundCloud, I bet, as rappers. Absolutely. Thank God we're not rapping on SoundCloud because it would be humiliating. Uh <laughs> I've rapped on a few podcasts, but you got to dig to find them. <laughs> and I'm a number one best-selling album rapper, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, well, speaking of celebrities in the news, uh, I, I wanted to, I had to talk about this. This is a great quote this week. the The New York Daily News did a walkout uh, for good reason. They're they're underfunded. There's mismanagement. They're cutting overtime, um, and it is a good paper. I say that as the grandson of somebody who wrote angry right-wing crank letters to the New York Daily News back in the 50s, but it's it's a good paper. They do good work, and they had a, a picket. Alec Baldwin shows up. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sure there's some video of him rapping out there, but he shows up, and this is just p- vintage Baldwin. He's such a fascinating character to me, but he, he shows up to the picket in what looked like uh, indie sleaze glasses, I guess, basically. Uh, they're like, well, he came to my party. Or, yeah. <laughs> but he says, 
no instrument in this city covers the city as well as the Daily News. Uh, which I love, <laughs> number one, the glasses, and also the fact that he would say instrument to describe... That is crazy. <laughs> just calling it an instrument of all the words to choose. Outlet, platform, uh, instrument. Such an amazing choice of words. And he is one of these people who I really think uh, someone should spend a day filming him, just a day in the life of Baldwin, and it would be like groundbreaking documentary material. Uh, The man is insane. Uh, (laughs) Walking around. I've seen him in the village walking around, and there's a small voice inside me that was like, I should go up and be like, hey, Mr. Baldwin. But that, but like just looking at him for more than two seconds, the sheer intensity he was yelling at whoever he was on the phone with was just terrifying and I stayed away. Um, But there's a video out there. Someone sent to me of him and now you can't play it. I don't know if it got, if it got taken down or something, but he was on comedians in cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. Uh, This is like 14, you know, 12 years ago or something like that. And he, this clip was cut from the episode, but somebody dug it up and it's him talking about it. He asks Seinfeld, is there anything terrible you've done that you don't regret? And Seinfeld says no. Uh, and then Baldwin is like, well, I have one. And he's like very eager to share it. And he's saying that he's uh, driving in Manhattan and there's a, a cab full of, of like kind of bros, I guess. And they're like being really brolic and yelling and uh, cutting. I think, I, I mean... I think it was their their car or a cab. It's hard to tell. But uh, they're in this car and they're like running red lights and acting obnoxious. And he pulls up beside them. And one of them looks at him and says, the fuck you looking at? And Alec Baldwin <laughs> like, and I had this giant 32 ounce cup of coffee. It's <laughs> with espresso and milk and ice. And I just throw it at them and drive off. <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah and he describes this as the greatest moment of his life (laughs) like what is going on in that man's mind i mean you could do a documentary you could do like a i guess it would be like if you did a narrative fictional movie about just a day in his life it would be like last days you know the gus van sant movie about cobain it would be like that meets falling down it just would be him going around screaming at people, having freakouts and like going up to his, his apartment, his penthouse with like 80 kids and his fake Spaniard wife. Um, but, oh, right. Yeah. Ilaria Baldwin. He seems like an <laughs> asshole for sure. And he has terrible views on things. But I think a lot of this is just being accentuated by the fact that he's like an actor, like one yeah. of those types of actors. So everything he says is just extremely hyperbolic. This newspaper is an instrument. And when I threw that coffee at that young man, it was the greatest day of my life. Like, this is your. Everything he's saying is like hyperbolic to the extent of it, the most that thing happening has ever happened, you know? Yeah. I think he's just being dramatic. Right. And also, yeah. when he. But like, there's no excuse for it. But when, like, when he yelled at his, like, daughter, you know, that oh, voicemail yeah. that got fucking leaked? It was like the monologue. Yeah, <laughs> he's being an actor about it. Uh, it sucks to have a, an abusive father. Um, it would be a little bit weirder and I worse in a certain way, I think, if he was a trained actor about it, you know? Uh, what did he call he, he called her like an ungrateful, a thoughtless little pig. He called her a little pig. Yeah. Um, that was Kim, that was his daughter with Kim uh, Kim Basinger, though. Not, uh, not a hilarious daughter. And uh, hopefully he's nice to those kids. I don't know. Um, probably not, but fake Spanish kids. Yeah. But he's like, he, it's funny because he, he showed up to this picket and he has a history of, uh, and this is Chris Sommerfeld, who's a, a reporter for the daily news, I believe. Um, he has cursed out daily news reporters and photographers. He is like wigs out on people. He calls and he, this is why I think like, uh, I'm, you know, I, I have, a uh, very critical perspective towards him on the on the rust incident. I think you know you could argue he's up for manslaughter charges, and you could argue that directly it was not his fault. 
but indirectly it kind of was because he was producing the film and they, the conditions were not good. Uh, there's all sorts of like union issues. My understanding is that the armorist, uh, was, was not union, um, who didn't, uh, properly check the gun that she handed him. And, you know, in theory he should check it too. But I'm thinking about like, if I was handed a gun, uh, on a set, I would want to have as little to do with that. Actually, if it's like a real gun, I would want to have as little to do with it as possible. So me checking the gun is a risk to everyone around me, me touching it in any way. Uh, if I have my fingers on it, it's something bad could happen. So it should be the responsibility of the armorist to, to check all that stuff. But on a good set, I think, you know, you show everybody, look, we're going through, there's no bullets here. Uh, or these are blanks. I took them from this box, etc. And that didn't happen. And it's a really, really tragic thing. Um, but I think it, it, I kind of think it won't stick because this guy is kind of one of these people who's uncancelable because, you know, like 10 years ago, I remember he, uh, had to take a leave of absence from public life because he called a, I think it was a reporter or a uh, photographer, a, a slur for gay people. Um, and you know, that was going to be it for him, but he, he came back and he's still, still doing it. So I, he's just, he's unstoppable. He's a true madman. And yeah, again, I really want to get that day in the life doc. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's probably an argument to be made for, um, what he what happened with him and the gun is some sort of tragic accident. And, um, I don't know. I kind of wonder like, why would you pull the trigger, you know, but I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't, I, I, that's not my job. I don't have expertise in that. You know, there's probably some angle here. I'm not really seeing, uh, I feel kind of mixed feelings about this though, because he, um, he's like a shithead. Like he has such abhorrent politics that, Part of me wants to go. Well, the justice system isn't actually objective; it isn't fair. So you're not. If I was on a jury, you wouldn't hear me defending him because he has such horrible views about Israel and the bucket border, which are two things very relevant to probably what we're going to talk about today. Oh yeah, I didn't know he said something about the border. I I, saw, I did see him uh, like freaking out at some protester, uh, pro Palestinian, and. What did he say something about the border too? Yeah, so he he got into the fucking thing with an, uh, an anti-Israel pro-Palestine protester, and he he says, "Shut shut your fucking mouth," you know. <laughs> I don't know why I made him British. Uh, <laughs> shut your lemon. Sh- I can't. I, uh, he's hard to channel unless I'm thinking about Thirty Rock. But um, I'm trying to find it. But I think he said something shitty about the border too. But you know what? Uh, I can't find it, so I might be wrong. Maybe he's great on the border and horrible on Israel. That would be really interesting. Yeah, there's a few people like that. Um, I could see it. Um, but yes, we are speaking today uh, in the midst of a brewing civil war, some are calling it, between Jake's home state of Texas and the federal government, which struck down uh, Texas's right to disobey the National Guard or the... Uh, Biden administration, which is trying to get it to stop putting barbed wire in the Rio Grande, which shouldn't be a thing. It's uh, this is one of those clear examples, and this is an overused phrase, but this is a clear example of the cruelty is the point. They're calling it invasion, you know, trying to invoke articles from like when the U.S. was at war with Mexico and people were actually nervous occasionally that they would invade. And that's why Greg Abbott has some like certain powers, uh, you know, back when it took time to communicate with Washington and uh, you could, uh, you know, use your your state militia uh, at at a moment's notice to to defend the state if that that um, if it came to pass that there was an invasion, but that's not what's happening. It's a completely different century, completely different situation. Uh, people are just coming here yeah. peacefully. Yeah. Can, can I can I say a few things up top here yes. before I think I ask you to help me weave all this together? Because I know you're, you've been reading about this to an extent that I haven't because um, I had a fucking birthday party this weekend. Thank you for coming out. If you came, sorry if I didn't say hi. I was putting out a lot of fires because our sound kept going out, but it was, I think, a pretty good show. Uh, anyways... Uh, so uh, th- this is an interesting story to me because a lot of the components of it that have led up to what is 
you know, being thrown around as a possible setup for like a second civil war. <laughs> a lot of these things have been hanging around in the background of the news the last few months. Um, one of them is the supposed border crisis at uh, specifically in a town called Eagle Pass, Texas. So the phrase border crisis is really disingenuous, right? Um, it's a, it's a right wing thing that gets brought up a lot, you know, clearly for material reasons to try to, uh, shirk the, the responsibility for, you know, the economy off of the shoulders of capitalists. It's, you, you get told, Oh no, no, it's the, the minimum wages are low and jobs are scarce and stuff like that because all these people coming over the border and the Democrats are letting them come through, yada, 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 right? This is obviously false scarcity. It's um, same fucking story over and over again. It's also really stupid because, uh, like we've talked about on the show, and you know, just now mentioned again the the the, the like Mexican American War, the thing that happened 150 years ago or whatever, where the United States like took took over what what is half of the United States now belonged to Mexico, the nation below. Um, created situations where people got shoved out by like the Texas Rangers. That was their like original purpose, you know? Um, also some people like some people who are like of like Mexican descent are still, they're just still here, you know, because they lived in the same spot and it's been two different countries. And that plays into the border thing in a really confusing way. I think, because a lot of people, you know, equate that with, uh, people coming from further down in Latin America, which is also a lot of people coming to the border. But um, Eagle Pass is where my family came to this country. Like a lot of people come through Eagle Pass. Uh, so it's specifically something I think about a lot. And the fact that it's become like st- still to this day, the focal point for the idea of a supposed border crisis is incredibly xenophobic and racist and obnoxious and this is the town that if you remember a few months ago fucking elon went to and put on his cowboy hat backwards because he doesn't actually know how to wear a cowboy hat (laughs) they have that divot in it in a certain part and there's a front and a back he put it on fucking backwards he's a dumbass and put on like aviator sunglasses and did his impression of like a cowboy or whatever um but eagle pass has been Go ahead. Biden did the same exact thing with a hard hat in uh, like Wisconsin <laughs> or Minnesota. Actually, sure. yeah, he, he brought put on a hard hat backwards. So like the the thing that protects the back of your head that you the adjuster was in the front. Was that what happened to him? Is that why he's like this? Have you heard him <laughs> talk lately? Did you see that clip of him at the fucking beer garden where he was just yeah like yeah, the Coors family? You know, it's fucking well, and then it's a head dog in the bush. You know. Uh, but Eagle Pass has been like politicized forever as a supposed location of like the border crisis, and as a result, you get guys like Elon Musk going in there, put the hats. I mean, look, him putting the hat on backwards, Biden putting the construction cap on backwards. It's the same fucking thing. Trump, you know, they're it's they're all just like pandering to people in this uh, disingenuous way to cosplay as working class. Fucking, we've heard this story a million times over, right? Yeah. Um. So that, I don't know, that, that's, that's part of what, what uh, the pretense for all of this is, right? Then the other thing you got to understand, if you're not somebody who's like from Texas or whatever, you might not realize that like, this is something that's like just going to come and go. Texas threatens to secede like every other year. <laughs> and there's, they're not like really allowed to, unless you like actually throw down in a way that they're just like not going to it's just like a a a theatrical move you know like something alec baldwin might do right it's a (laughs) very dramatic thing it gets it's it's texans love it because we have our own flag we used to be our own state or whatever so uh it plays well or whatever but you know it's, it's bullshit it's a little alarming what's happening right now but i don't think it's really gonna play out in any uh real material way um but not only was Greg Abbott invoking the uh, the language of the Mexican American War that you were talking about. He also was evoking the language of secession that led to the like the, the actual civil war. Mm. 
like very much deliberately the uh, the idea that <laughs> that uh the like the united states of america as a union of states is a the phrase is a like a pact i think is what they use to justify seceding over slavery. And that's what started the fucking civil war. And he's got 25 other governors, which is half of the fucking States, I guess, plus one (laughs) on his side. So I think that's where the jokes about the civil war two thing came from. In theory, that is half of the country at war with the federal government. But like, this is the same federal government that, did and probably will again operate under Donald Trump who they like and it's not really different in any material way than what it was under Trump we've seen this in Biden's explanation of how he's going to handle the situation which is that he posted this big long thing a statement for the White House about how um you know the the, the problem he has here is uh h- how we're dealing with the border crisis not whether to do this at all um it's very feckless he he I, I, we'll get into this in a second i'm sure but you know this this started over the the razor wire that that greg abbott uh i guess has been putting in the water which apparently there's like a, a case now there's a conflict between the state of texas and like the federal government over whether that's you're allowed to do that um but I guess Biden is saying like, no, we got to get rid of the razor wire and hire more border, border patrol and do this, you know, by the book. And something I want to, <laughs> I want to get to later, um, or at least hear your thoughts on, because I've been researching and I haven't been able to find any, any evidence of what this actually means. Is apparently one of the things Biden wants to do is install a bunch of high tech machinery at the border that like scans shit for fentanyl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. But yeah, so you might have heard about the fucking razor wire in the water. That's also part of this. Like check your drugs real quick. You just do an illegal border crossing. Just use the razor wire to cut it up, you know? (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yeah. Hey, if you're partying and you're anywhere near the border, be responsible. (laughs) Go (laughs) just cross and then have one of those fucking robots check your drugs for uh, for whether they'll kill you or not. Yeah. Yeah, they should be repurposed. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there are a few things, and there's a new proposal that Biden is issuing, and this is, you know, it, they're kind of operating in, in, in an antiquated uh, political gamesmanship um, from, like, 20, 30 years ago that I don't know if it really works or is relevant anymore, but they're, they, the way they are trying to finesse this, the Biden administration, is they're saying, you know what, okay, we, we are going to put out a really strong uh, border policy that's that's you know nativist and uh, maybe not quite as bad as Trump, but basically Trump light. Um, and again, they have in, continued and basically codified a lot of the Trump immigration policies. So here are some of the proposals. Uh, there's going to be mandatory detention of all single adults. There's going to be a shutdown of the border uh, once the average daily migrant encounter hits 5,000. At some points of entry, there's like 3,600 crossings per day. So once the average gets up to 5,000, it's just all going to be shut down. Once uh, again, the the single community is persecuted. <laughs> yeah. this Yeah, maybe this is a lot <laughs> to increase polyamory in, throughout the world. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. It might be a, a plot against polyamory. I think I still we still count as single. Because fair enough, they mean uh, married. I think is what they're referring to. I always get confused when I do my taxes, and it's like, "Are you single?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I don't know. We haven't really talked about it." You know, <laughs> I've written in. I have a girlfriend for the past five years. <laughs> they don't seem to recognize that in any meaningful way. But uh, don't give a tax yeah. break for that. I wish they should. Girlfriend <laughs> culture should be a priority of of Joe Biden if he wants to get reelected. Um, yeah. But they, but I mean, I think the reason for that is because there is an alternative to detention sort of program uh, for families, um, but they get shit like ankle monitors and stuff like that. So it's not a picnic, but it is, I guess, you don't get uh, put in solitary. Um, 
But uh, and then they're going to new removal authority to this is, by the way, from a journalist, uh, Bill Malugan in California. Uh, There's a new removal authority to immediately remove all migrants who do not have valid asylum claims, which is subjective. Right. Uh, But that's supposed to be determined within six months rather than the years long process we have right now. So that's at least like maybe in theory speeding that up. Uh, But then any migrant who's caught trying to uh, cross twice during the shutdown phase. So that's after they hit the 5,000 threshold, they shut it down. Uh, Anyone who tries to cross during that is banned from entering the U S for one year. Um, And the problem, a big problem with it is, you know, a a lot of these, the the plan uh, depends on sending people to Mexico uh, in some cases back to Mexico, but not in all cases because people come from a lot of different countries uh, in Latin America. And that happens to be the country that we share a border with. So uh, they're just going to be dumped there. And we don't have like an arrangement with the Mexican government for what to do about that. So, it's yeah, it's there's going to have to be, I think, more Border Patrol agents to enforce this plan. Um, but whether or not it gets passed is an open question because and this is the gamesmanship I was talking about earlier. The Biden administration is trying to pair this new border legislation to Ukraine funding. Which the Republican Party has been a little more skeptical of, slightly more dovish, if you will, Uh, as of late on the Ukraine war, they're saying, uh, this has gone on for a while. Maybe we, we have, you know, other priorities than sending weapons and money to Ukraine. Um, so what Biden's trying to do is force their hand and say, which side are you on? And, and basically get them to, to pass this Ukraine funding, which he wants because it's a democratic issue. Uh, but whether or not they're, they're going to vote for it is, is tricky. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has already threatened that if the bill makes it out of the House, she's going to try and get Mike Johnson, who's the new Speaker of the House, she's going to try and get him kicked out, um, be this no longer Speaker, which would be funny. He would be there for like a few months. Uh, but then you have, and this I found kind of interesting. So you know the guy, Mark Wayne Mullen, who we've made fun of on the show? Yeah, the Mark Wayne. In, yeah, he tried to get in a fight with Sean O'Brien. Uh, he's actually yeah. in today's Republican party is kind of a moderate because he's quoted at the end of this uh, Huffington post article, uh, saying that the, uh, conservative reports on the, the Biden bill that they've ginned up a lot of the base, uh, against it. Uh, even though the policy represents, uh, meaningful changes, he says, this is a national security issue. And if you're waiting until another president gets in, you're playing politics with it. So Biden has produced an immigration bill that gets the approval of Mark Wayne Mullen. But because it's Biden, then you're going to have a lot of pushback from the Republican members of of the House and probably some senators, too. So like it's it seems like probably nothing's going to happen. Right. Because um, they they're not going to touch anything that Biden has his fingerprints on. But it's still just like an example of like. They're still the the Biden administration is still trying to play this old game of like we'll pit the Republicans against themselves by you know basically I, taking their policies uh, and like this really right he's doing Clinton stuff and at this point yeah like, might do this something is bad but it's not it's not really smart politics in the long run. This is confusing to me because it's so highly political and it's so clearly to try to make sides out of a thing to uh to make like wedge issues out of stuff that is uh i uh, most of the stuff to me seems to be like that seems to have unilateral support from both parties so trying to play to their own bases in certain ways or come off a certain way by being like we're going to be more like effective about the border or whatever is i'm confused because also with the packaging with the ukraine war thing i'm like well is it every fucking like bill to send money over there unanimous? So what does bundling it with something that they also both agree on mean? What's the what is the end goal here in what? political wonky language? You know. Yeah, well, I think Republicans are starting to want to ease off on the Ukraine. They they want the war to wind down, as a lot of people do, and I think they're right about that. Uh, that the Ukraine war that should reach a settlement. It should have reached. They should have been trying to broker 
a peace negotiation uh, years ago. Um, so for whatever reason, Republicans are actually uh, a little more dovish on that. I don't know if like the the Putin thing has kind of there's like a complex with Putin where there's like a defensiveness or something. Uh, yeah. Where now they are like, you know, th- there's there were those those hats or something or t-shirts where that were it was so bizarre at a trump rally people actually had like hammer and sickle like hats <laughs> being like yeah we are russians we i don't care what you it's kind of like the shapiro rap i don't i don't care if i yeah woke uh what, what did i just say woke for uh th- there was a fucking <laughs> i'm turning into god damn it i'm getting old uh no they're they played morrissey at a trump rally too recently and it's like man stop making them cool you know <laughs> but the only reason they're doing a lot of this shit here's my theory behind some of this like um what i was just, just describing in terms of this being a confusing place for them to land just because they need to oppose democrats is do you think they would be doing this if trump was president and the ukraine war thing was still happening you know, like, isn't it isn't it just that we have a two party system and sometimes they have to define themselves in op- opposition to what the other one is doing? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I w- Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I don't want to No one. I don't think anyone can actually say with any authority what would have happened if Trump was president, uh, if there would have been a Ukraine war or not. But I mean, Biden had been there a year. Do you think they're playing the Smiths at Trump rallies to try to pander to the Mexicans that are here? Oh, this! Do you guys love the Smiths? I didn't. Well, I guess I wasn't. Yeah. Do you don't know about that? No. <laughs> oh, it's very funny. It's like a. It's a thing. Everyone's always trying to figure it out. Everyone's always trying to solve it. Hmm. Uh, I I have my theories, but no, there's hella Mexican goths, and for some reason, Los Smiths is a huge thing. He's huge in Latin America in general. Is okay. So it's kind of like a Hasselhoff in Germany thing. It's like no one. Yeah. Really- can put their finger on it but or when a band is really big in like japan or something and you're like but they're from new jersey oh okay i want that to happen with our podcast in japan (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i look at the uh, the metrics of who listens to us and it's like wow spain huh yeah i mean it might if you're learning english i guess this might be a good podcast to listen to if you're trying this to would talk be a like terrible podcast to listen to if you're Maybe trying to like learn conversational, english conversational english like especially if you're trying to come into this country because we destroyed your economy with nato and then you get stopped at the border and you're like uh hey, anders lee here you know <laughs> it's not good well you know what might happen is people are like trying to talk like an American so they look up podcasts about America and they don't know what damn means and they download this and just learn all of your English from this this show. Um there could be a person like that and yeah they would they would not uh, be let into into the country probably. Uh, I would love to meet them. <laughs> I just watched a a movie with no language with no dialogue in it. Uh Actually, at, at uh, Woodbine, Friends of the Show, I got my hands on... You ever see The Quest for Fire? No, I saw you tweeting about it, though. This movie is insane. It um, came out in 1981, uh, and it's about cavemen, Cro-Magnons, starring Ron Perlman, by the way. <laughs> perfect casting. He looks like a caveman, yeah. He does, yeah. Uh, but we showed this at Woodbine. I was trying to watch it a few months ago because I saw it was on Amazon, but the the quality sucked. Um, so I, actually, Chris Bell, who we've had on the show before, sent oh, yeah. me a version that was like 1080p, super high quality. So we screened it at Woodbine, and it was a beautiful fucking movie. It was it's amazing. It was like it's literally a quest for fire. Like they they have fire, uh, it goes out, and then they're like, well, how are we going to get it again? Um, because they don't know that you can make it yourself. It's just like lightning struck or something and a tree set on fire and they were able to to capture some of it and like keep it in a flame and then some idiot accidentally <laughs> knocked the flame out. Uh, so they're like, how do we get this? And spoiler alert, eventually they learn how to make it themselves. But it's a really <laughs> interesting uh, thing because there's anthropological debate over the accuracy of it because when it came out, it came out in 1981, my theory behind its release, like my kind of how did this get made theory is this this is a few years 
I guess like a while, but still uh, after 2001 A Space Odyssey. And so like the the opening scene in that, right, is like early humans slash monkeys. And that kind of became like a cultural phenomenon. So that led Hollywood to believe like, okay, we should make a movie about this. Although it's by a French uh, director, Jean-Jacques Hano. Um, but anthropologists, at the, when it came out, they're like, well, okay, humans were not like fucking uh, communicating with each other. There were like the early humans, the Cro-Magnons, and, and I guess the Pygmies or these other tribes. They didn't actually like run into one, one another and they didn't uh, have fire at this point. But since the movie came out, there's been more research because there's so much we just don't know, obviously, because people didn't know how to right uh so we don't have like records really um to to a great extent other anthropologists later were like no there is a possibility that these sort of tribes were interacting and they had like different customs and it's fascinating too because they had different experiences with like uh humor like the first it kind of it has like what could be the construed as maybe the first joke uh which is some a rock falls on a guy's head or or somebody throws a rock at his friend's head and they just start laughing and then he's like he starts bleeding and then he starts laughing Um, yeah it's a great scene there is pretty funny yeah, it's great. I mean, and it's a it's a universal, uh, universally comedic uh, element. The the hit on head with stone. But I should warn. I I would recommend it. I will warn you. There is a there is some uh, there is some a bad. There's rape in in the because you know they were Jesus. basically like primates in a right? silent film. <laughs> it's it's a. Uh, it's a different, you know, it's a different type of society and it's still very bad, but, and, you know, don't watch it if it's going to trigger you. But, um, but it was, uh, the, yeah, the encounters with sexuality and they're exploring that as well. They have like, there's a character who is having sex with another character and they're just used to doing it like doggy style. And then she's like, no, no, no. And she like wraps around and they do missionary. And it's kind of, kind of like he's discovering the missionary position. Uh, and he's that also happens in Game of Thrones. Daenerys does that to uh, Jason oh, Momoa. Really? Yeah, call Drogo. I wonder if that was inspired by Quest for Fire. I uh, bet it was. They ripped everything off, didn't they? <laughs> but it was a beautiful because it's like this. Oh, this is intimacy. This is like passion, <laughs> maybe love uh, for the first time. Um, they're like actually doing it in a more expressive and uh, and passionate fully censorious way well you know who could use getting fucked missionary style in a more passionate and expressive and personal way these clowns in the senate and congress roast uh (laughs) let's get back to the border (laughs) what else is going on here have we gotten to civil war two yet how did this conflict come about well i mean it was basically just a Supreme Court challenge, and um, there, there are calls now to federalize the National Guard, uh, which Biden could do, potentially. Um, we've seen that before in Arkansas, you know, the Little Rock, 1957, the Eisenhower took control of their National Guard to, to see to it that uh, black kids could go to uh, white school. And yeah, that may happen again. People are saying he should do it, but... Uh, it's not clear. I mean, I, I guess they could just use DHS and they're under the auspices of Biden. Um, but yeah, I mean, the very uh, conservative Supreme Court, but they're at least saying that it's uh, Biden's prerogative um, that they, but uh, I think they are still leaving the door open, if I'm not mistaken, to more razor wire. It's just like, they're just kind of delaying it or putting it in some like bureaucratic uh, um, maze or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I've heard that other states, yeah, you said, yeah, 25 Republican states, they are going to s- potentially send their National Guards to Texas uh, just to like see to it that this this wire is installed. But it's just like, yeah, how do you get up in the morning and like, yeah, this is what I want to spend my time <laughs> doing and you know I mean that's insane that 25 states are talking about sending like their own national guard uh to to enter into detente with federal military forces it sounds alarming but 
I don't think I don't see this turning into like a conflict because you know the Civil War was about like I mean it, 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 people will get into nuance here and argue to try to deflect away from it being about the mode of production, which is slavery. But I mean, it was about two, two, two sections of the country, two parties in opposition really about something, you know, and uh, fucking there's like a quote where Abraham Lincoln said, like, you know, I, I, I would win this war if I could without freeing a single slave. I would also win it by freeing all the slaves. Like it, it both was and wasn't about slavery. You know, the South tried to make it about states' rights. In a lot of ways, Lincoln was a little bit more moderate than like a John Brown, as we've discussed. He did kind of navigate it politically and say things like, you know, this is about the the question of what like the United States as a federation of states is. I, he kind of, you know, um, like. It, through leading this, the United States through the Civil War or the what, fucking Union or whatever, solidified the idea that this is like a a nation first, you know, and states second. And uh, but again, what I'm getting at is that this is about a a an opposition of forces, you know, <laughs> coming into conflict. This is just this border thing happening right now is just weird interpolitical bullshit from two parties that kind of want to do the same thing. And I think it's it's going to amount to a lot of nothing because it is Biden doesn't disagree enough to go to war against these fucking people. He, he, what he's doing is is Bill Clinton Democrat bullshit, where he's like uh, going to pander to his base by saying, "Oh, I'll do it differently. I'll do it more humanely." But he's still like every president uh, in the last fucking half dozen presidents or whatever has increasing increased militarizing the border. He's made it part of his plan. It's complete horseshit that the Democrats ran on being so outraged by kids in cages and stuff like that, and then proceeded to do what every president has done, which is increase funding for this shit. Um, it became politicized around the razor wire thing, sure, but it very well could have not. He didn't give a fuck until you know a few nuanced events led it to be a thing where... Yeah, where, where someone has to come out and go, okay, not with razor wire. But no one's like, let's not do this at all, you know? Right. I think it's a proxy for other disagreements in a, a larger issue, which is really Trump and, you know, the constitutional order potentially. I mean, that's how Democrats and liberals see it, is that, uh, you know, Trump's going to try another January 6th and we have to prevent like a breakdown of the Constitution and liberal democracy. And uh, Republicans want Trump. They want him to be the president. And, uh, you know, there may be a scenario uh, in a little less than a year at this point um, that, uh, you know, there's going to be some gridlock with the electoral vote or something like that. And uh, this is maybe the the beginnings of something, some kind of showdown stewing after November. But, yeah, I think it, you know, in all likelihood, it'll kind of just people will forget about it. But um, I, you know, I don't want to I hope that I also hope that happens. But so maybe it's wishful thinking. But uh, whether this is like deliberate or not, I think this is planting some seeds that you're going to see come up later if there is like another J6 type thing, because yeah. something that you hear from like a wacko fucking right wing people about this sort of thing is that to them, the border is politicized not just because of the like they're coming to take our job shit i was talking about before but also because there's this myth in the right wing and this was a huge part of why people stormed the capitol there's this myth that there's like massive voter fraud happening and that the democrats are courting immigrants to come here because they know they'll vote for like democrats or whatever which by the way isn't even the fucking case all the time (laughs) like as much as they you know i would like to imagine that what they're saying is even true it's like fucking no how does people come here to like fucking start a business you know and whatever but um like what i wanted to get at about this big big picture wise is it's really interesting seeing this border the idea of this border come back in a question it being a border that was established in the 19th century because a lot of these borders that we're dealing with right now and that like that are coming into question again and that they're coming into conflict again were established in the 19th century in the era of colonization. And 
this one is a little bit different in certain ways than the one in Palestine, right? I guess that border has evolved over, you know, the 19th and 20th century. But a lot of people are are kind of waking up to learning about what happened to the various borders or imposed borders or like, you know, what we have now as borders that shouldn't be borders in Palestine, right? That were established by Israel after the Nakba and stuff like that. That's like an ongoing like military thing. You know, it's genocide. It's one sided. Uh But that's not the only way in which tension between borders exists. And with the United States, I mean, obviously there was a war, right? But then there's also this economical stuff I was talking about with like NAFTA. Like, why do people want to cross the fucking Rio Grande and get to the United States? Well, it's not exactly the same a lot of the time as it would be in Gaza, where, you know, it's, we now, under, a lot of people now understand that, like, sorry, I just did a fucking stupid comedian thing where I went, we, no, not, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> three beers in here. But Gaza's an open air prison, right? Obviously, people want to get the fuck out of it. People are kind of getting woke to this. Mexico, you know, is not being actively waged war on at this point. So it's not a similar situation. So some people, who now get Gaza will look at that and go, oh, you know, what's the problem? We're not actively waging a war in Mexico. And it's like, no, it's neoliberalism is the problem. Like the the stark economic conditions that were created historically by establishing this border and then pushing fucking production south of it and stuff like that has created like a need. It's just created a dire set of conditions for people below the border to live in. And, naturally will be inclined to come back over especially because as i said earlier it's like land that was taken from you know that state to begin with or whatever so the fact that these both are kind of coming apart i think is really interesting because it kind of you know makes you think like oh these these lines that we the postmodern world implied to be permanent you know and part of the gelling of the end of history are uh, are not that's not real borders aren't real you know but i think it's important to understand that there's like different reasons for violating of this established line it's interesting because I, yeah, I remember um you know bernie had that thing in in 2015 where he was asked about open borders and he was like that's reflexively he was kind of like that's a Koch brothers proposal and there's a big argument on the left as to what extent that was true and I was sort of sympathetic to that at the time and that there had been, I mean, it, it came out that behind closed doors, Cl- Hillary Clinton was talking about uh, open borders um, for capital, basically. Uh, and I had this discussion with somebody, a friend of mine who was an anarchist, uh, and she was, and she had said that, uh, well, closed borders and very tight borders are also good for capital, right? That That's also strengthening the border. Um, that's a priority for a lot of the capitalist class too. So they can kind of have it both ways, you know, when it comes to a lot of this stuff, like, and, and the distinction should be like, are we talking? Well, I think that what's, what works to the most advantage to the capitalist class is open borders for capital and closed borders for people, because then you get to restrict people into the areas that you now have a fucking factory where you can pay people less in. Right. And, And that also, that's part of like Israel and, in Palestine too is it part of the way that right. Palestine crunched or that part of the way that Israel put the crunch on Palestinians was historically you know over the process of establishing Israel uh keeping all of the economy within the Israel part yeah. and then keeping Palestinians outside of it and the lucky few get to come in and work within it or whatever most people are just you know, left to the the economic dredges of that outside of it. Right. Yeah. And you have that. The surplus population is exterior to the country of Israel. Um, they have it set up in a, in a brilliant way, which is why, you know, people like Warren Buffett are like, I mean, part of the reason why he says like Israel is the best place to do business in the entire world. But yeah, I mean, things are, I thought maybe today we'd get some kind of Potential shift, because I saw this on CNN. I just happened to turn on CNN today. I don't usually watch it. And there was an American citizen who was a 17-year-old boy murdered by the 
IDF. It was either, I believe it was both the IDF and some uh, sovereign Israeli citizens in the West Bank. Uh, it was, he was killed. Um, car full of kids was shot upon by soldiers and, and settlers. And, uh, his father was, he was kind of bizarre to see it on CNN. His father was interviewed. He said, you know, we, he, the kid was from New Orleans. Uh, they moved back to the West bank and mind you, this is the West bank, not Gaza. And that's another thing that's gets kind of lost in all this is the violence in the West bank has gotten, worse since October 7th. There are a lot of Palestinians who have been killed there um, because everybody's looking on the other side of the, the the situation. And, you know, he was, the the father was pleading like with Blinken and Biden and saying like, we are American citizens. They still pay taxes to the United States, even though they live in the West Bank and their money is going to killing them, literally, uh, his son. So they are trying to investigate this week. They're saying with to to Israel that they want a a probe into what happened to uh to the kid who was killed um and you know they're saying this is devastating and all this stuff but we, we need more information is what they're saying we just need to need to investigate it and uh we'll see what happens because he is a US citizen which is the reason it's a story uh but meanwhile today they just announced that the uh, United States, along with a few other Western countries, Canada, UK, Germany, Australia, they are halting funding for the UNRWA, which is uh, the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees, uh, which was one of the only organizations that's that's getting relief directly to the people of Gaza. And they are pausing this money because it came out that there may have been some of the people who do work for this agency, which again is just distributing aid to people who live in Gaza. They, some of them may have been involved in October 7th. Um, so that is enough to go off just basically a rumor that I think you were saying was extracted from torture, right? Uh, yeah, I read a journalist say that, but I haven't fucking looked into it, so I'm going to put that in a maybe. Well, yeah, but it's certainly like uh, about, I mean, I think I would say it's it's thinner than the evidence we have of the IDF killing this American citizen that they're going to do an inquest into. They're going to look into it. Uh, but this is absolutely. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. This is enough. If it's uh, a Palestinian potentially involved in, in killing Israelis, it's enough to completely cut off our, our funding to this agency. Oh, yeah. No, it's completely inconsistent and horseshit for sure. Yeah. Um, it's also a horrible thing to cut off funding to. This does nothing but kill like innocent people. Yeah, they just I mean, it's that's why they're calling it a genocide. The ICJ uh, ruled that this week, more or less, is, is that um, what's what's happening could develop into a, a genocide, um, was their ruling. And that, you know... When, it's, this is such an insane thing to live through because, like, the Israel Twitter account is just, like, posting memes of, like, Drake doing the I don't like it hand <laughs> to, like, The Hague. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i mean that that's it is like the the objection to uh the g word as we talked about is it connotes very specific images of death camps and the holocaust but the, the definition is not as we talked about with freddie like it's not supposed to just mean a death camp it's the extermination it's the it's a cultural thing uh on a fundamental level of, of basically a eliminating a, a people, this agency, UNRWA, they're already being targeted by Israeli missiles. Uh, so even if the money's going in, like Israel knows which structures are part of the UN and they're hitting them with missiles, the UN is saying they're going to conduct an urgent and comprehensive independent review. Uh, but the US, even before that review happens, we're saying no more money. Uh, how about instead of calling them genocided children we call them young shelled ones Ooh. like young sheldon <laughs> it's Imagine a stretch for sure 
Imagine if that was their rebuttal at The Hague. It's just like that's this, this it's huge... fucking gonna be <laughs> <laughs> this like this this huge like comprehensive like novel length uh, or just like even longer than that um, you know o- offense from the from South Africa just like laying laying out everything and and then the judge is like your retort Israel and the guy's like what if we just called him young shelled one. <laughs> I think that would work great, and that's why Israel Twitter account. You should hire excellent social media comedian Jake Flores. I'll uh, I'll help you get away with it for the low low price of a whole fuck ton of money. Uh, careful what you wish for. Ah <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I don't know. One last note I had here is the fentanyl machines. I just wanted to kind of to tie this to something else. Um, Another reason I am very much a uh, uh, they're both the same party person about the border is that Biden, including that weird thing about fentanyl machines, is kind of an echo of like what if you watched the debates that the Republicans did that were meaningless because Trump is going to be the nominee. You saw this thing happen this time around where they all were talking about declaring war on Mexico over fentanyl. Right. Oh, yeah. it's kind of baseless, I think, the idea that you can pin a state to the idea of fentanyl. I think you can make fentanyl in the United States. Um, it's complete obfuscation of problems that are the root of the you know the crisis of opiates and the drug war and stuff like that. It's fucking stupid. But uh, that's him just being the same as them in a certain way, but just doing the the neoliberal Democrat sheen on it and going like, uh, you know, we're going to fight fentanyl more effectively or whatever. That that's just that's a little dog whistle for he's going to fucking he's opposed to Mexicans, too, man. He's going to call you drug dealers so he can increase the fucking border patrol and all that. Well, Another week in the United States of America. At least it had a fucking fire soundtrack. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. One more time. His pronouns are the man, which is right. I, I think <laughs> more inconvenient, more like uh, cumbersome than any other pronoun I've ever heard of. More than Gijer, just having every, every time you introduce yourself, you have to be like, I'm the man. Like, Did anyone see that. where the man went with my beer? Um you know what? I'm sorry. You do have to hand it to him. The yarmulke. It's a yarmulke. No cap thing. That is. It's funny enough to where I would have done it as a joke. If I was doing a bit as a rapper that is not good at rap, that's probably something I would have written. And you know, credit where credits due. <laughs> it's funny. It could have been on SNL, which is not very good anymore. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he. Hired, I wonder. Yeah. Whoever wrote that for him. Uh, good job. Oh my god! I wonder who, because rappers get hired to ghostwrite shit all the fucking time. Uh, Nas wrote "Getting Jiggy with It." Did you know that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow. Wouldn't have thought that. That seems more uh, more light than his general vibe. But well, that's why he, it's a ghostwriting job, right? Because yeah. he knows the the form. But it's not one. It's not something he would have done. Yeah. So let's look into it. Let's crack this open. Who wrote Ben Shapiro's rap? Let's blow up their shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And who the fuck? It, who? Which comic they hired to run that Israel account? I swear to God, history will uh, will find you. All right. Um, let's do plugs. I've got my other podcast. That's my podcast. I don't know you. That's my Kick of the Hill podcast. Why you mad? My podcast with Luisa Diaz is back, and I don't have any upcoming shows because I put my whole ass into crime wave and it's over it was great thanks for coming out well if you are on the other coast in new york city specifically coming out to paid protest that's uh friday february 2nd uh doors at seven o'clock show at 7 30 that will be at silo in bushwick off the jefferson l uh we got a great show for you folks uh tommy bear uh, from that, the you know the the PB and J bear sketch that went viral on Twitter a little while ago, he will be at the show doing jokes. The yeah. bear, that's right. Uh, maybe that's what he should rebrand as, or at least uses his pronouns instead of the man, the bear. Uh, we also got Kenise Mobley, Brittany Carney, and Nat Towson 
me and Kath Barbador are going to be hosting that thing. So come on out. Uh, 7.30, uh, 2.2, and uh, the proceeds benefit New York City DSA's poly-ed committee, which is very important. It's about educating yourself on polyamory. I think I made that joke two weeks in a row. All right, everyone. That's the show. It's a finished. This world divides us on two different sides. But this wall's not real. How can it be real? It's only made of concrete and barbed wire. Concrete and barbed wire. Concrete and barbed wire It's only made of concrete and barbed wire